Welcome to Making the Most of Time with me, Elliot Apple. I'm a financial planner and caregiver. To give you a little background, my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer when I was 25. Our world was changed instantly, and it's been a constant state of change ever since. Since then, I've been learning about the intersection of money, health, and loss, personally and professionally. This is a place to explore money, loss, and grief. It's about making the most of time, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically, and financially. There are no taboo topics, no question is off limits. These conversations are for people like you, people who are about to lose a significant other, widows, caregivers, and anybody affected by a major health event. I'm glad you're here. So with that, let's start making the most of time. If you are ready to learn about Medicare, you are in the right place today. I had a phenomenal discussion with Joanne Giardini-Russell of Giardini Medicare, and she is an expert in Medicare. We go through all the different parts of Medicare. She talks about the differences in costs between Medigap policies and Medicare Advantage, which is a key point that many people have to make, and there are some pitfalls to watch out for. We talk about how your income can affect premiums. We went through a lot of material about Medicare, and so if you're looking for a good primer on the differences in the Medicare policies, this is the conversation for you. Also talk about a lot of common mistakes that she sees because she does this every day, and it was fascinating just to hear where people tend to make mistakes. So with that, let's get into it. Joanne, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you joining today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited for today's conversation because Medicare is one of those things where people really only get to do it once more or less. I know there are some changes you can make later, but for the most part, it's a once in a lifetime decision. And even though I dabble in it every year with clients, I still get confused by it. So I'm excited to learn more about your knowledge and everything that you have to share today. Yeah, it's a crazy, crazy product, crazy industry, no doubt. That it is. Um, I would love for you to just share a little bit about your background, your firm, and then we'll dive a little bit more into the meat of what Medicare is, pitfalls, and those sorts of things. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So my name is Joanne Giardini-Russell. Um, I have a company called Giardini Medicare. So we're an agency that just does 100% Medicare. So that's all we do. We've got nine people that do Medicare 10 hours a day. Um, we got a couple of service people. But when I say we do Medicare, it just means helping people decide if they need Medicare, go through the entire process, dealing with the government, putting their products in place at the very end. So there's a lot to it. So it is a kind of a complex um, area. We're based in Michigan. We do cover 12 states, but it's actually very fun. I work with my three kids. We have a, you know, kind of a fun time. We get to, because we're, we're our own firm, we can design what we want in terms of webinars and classes. And so we, we kind of have fun with a kind of a boring, uh, irritating, stressful product <laughs> for people that are 65 plus. So we do what we can do. Very nice. I like it. And I like that you get to sort of control the experience and everything with clients and build it into what you want to be um, and right. make a, a boring product fun. Exactly. Exactly. So we hear a lot of times too, it's like, well, that really wasn't so bad. That's what we love to hear at the end of the process. So that's, we accomplished our goal in that case, which is great. I bet. Um, why don't we dive into Medicare a little bit further and maybe you can explain just what, what is Medicare? Yeah. Medicare is just insurance. And that's, what's funny to people is they just, they don't think of it as insurance and it is. So whether it's, you know, you have blue cross today, it's, it's much like your insurance today, wherever you have it. And what I think makes people a little nervous or extra nervous is that it's the government involvement. 
you know, you're having to deal with social security and there's just different parts you have to deal with, but you're actually just paying the, the government for insurance. And so it has two components. There's one part A and part B, and this is where it starts to build in complexity, but you have the two parts, A and B. A is hospital coverage. And that we're gonna, it's gonna cover you if you have nights in the hospital or if you're in a skilled nursing facility or you're under hospice care, things like that. That's usually free for people, okay? So that's the easy part for, for most people. Part B introduces, introduces a lot of complexity because that's where people really have to decide and figure out if they need it, if they want it, if they should enroll, if they should not enroll. Um, that part has a premium. This year, the base rate is $170.10. So that makes people think twice, which it should, and that's good. Um, but that component, that part is really what people are used to with insurance, but you know, that's the doctor covered, it's your uh, MRIs, your CAT scans, your chemo radiation, things like that. So those are the two base components. And again, it's just, just insurance. And we try and take some of that onus off and not make two people too panicked, but you know, it's an option maybe uh, for you. So it's either you have to do it or you don't have to do it, or maybe you should do it. Maybe you shouldn't do it. So that's about it. Okay, great. And how should people, I mean, when should people start making these decisions? Should they come at 65? Should they do some pre-planning? What do you typically see or recommend? There's a couple of different ways to look at that because sometimes we have people that are coming in at like even 58 to learn about Medicare when they're 65. And that gets a little crazy because that's too far off in the distance. There's just too much is going to change. You know, it's not pertinent to your world today, but you know, at 62, some of the, the topics that we'll talk about, like, like the, there's an income related surcharge. If you're higher net ink, if you're a higher income person in terms of your modified adjusted gross income, that can affect you. And it is something that they'll, that you'll, you'll understand as we talk about it, but you know, at 62 or 63, you might want to start working with a person like you to figure out what to do in, in prep preparing for Medicare. But that same person at 62 is too early for us to talk to because they don't need the coverage for three years, potentially. So, so it, it just depends on what angle I'd say, you know, dip your toes in at 62, 63, just to kind of know generically what's coming, right? Don't knock yourself out with, with research. Don't drive yourself crazy. The time you can start knocking yourself out with research is about six months or four months before you turn 65. You're not going to miss that timeline either because you're going to be hammered with postcards and mailers and agents bugging you and your friends telling you what you got to do, that kind of stuff. So it's hard to miss, but also don't get too stressed about it. Okay. That gives you, if you start six months before your 65th birthday, you, you have plenty of time, plenty of time to worry, you know, to get things right. So don't panic too much. That's a good reminder. And in my understanding is there are a few different places to go for Medicare. Like if I'm 65 and I want to go purchase it, I can do that a variety of different ways. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about where should people be going? What are the options, pros and cons of each, those sorts of things? Yeah, that's a great topic. We just actually pushed, uh, we have a podcast coming out on Monday, exactly that topic, because it's hard. Where do you go? There's there's 1-800 numbers. There's Jimmy uh, Walker and there's Joe Namath on TV. Should you call them? Should you call the call centers? Do you call your local insurance carrier? Uh, should you call the carrier you have right now just because you like them for under 65, which can mean nothing or it can mean a lot, but you got to be careful where you're going for help. So we are an independent agent. And that is, to me, it's the ideal setup because we're able to look at all different carriers that we want to contract with, provide those products. Um, you can go to a captive insurance company, which means they have one product and one price, but 
you're limited to one product and one price. So we try to tell people that, look, if you call one carrier, they're not going to tell you about carrier B's product or carrier C's product that could be even better for you. So it's tough, you know, but sometimes those places are really good because they know their one product really well. That's a, that's a bonus to that situation. But You've also got ship counselors, they call them kind of, they're called different things in different states, but they're volunteers that they can kind of help navigate things for you. You have to, it depends on what ship counselor you get. Some are fantastic and some are not very good. So you got to remember, take it with a grain of salt because they are volunteers. Now, a lot of these places are good places just to start your research and, and get your notebook going, right? So call all the places if you want to waste, you know, waste your time or you know, spend that much time, I should say. But it's a lot of work to, to do all that. So, you know, but make a notebook and then keep interviewing and figure out what you want. Um, but I like an independent agent for sure. I like people that specialize in Medicare. Uh, I'm partial, of course, because that's what we do. But I know you have a health insurance license, so you technically could go write a Medicare supplement for somebody if you wanted to. I know you don't trust yourself to do that, so you don't do that, but that you it is possible. So you just want to make sure somebody has a, an experience with volume of Medicare too, so they know the ins and the outs, because there's a lot to it. So, so Google reviews are great. You know, asking friends and family who they use, ask your financial person, just like you. So you should be the gateway to lots of these referrers and referrals to other products too, which is, which is great. And we encourage them to go back to their financial planner and say, Hey, who do I go to for Medicare? Who do I go to for ABC? Right. They're already asking you for all sorts of recommendations. So just add Medicare to the, to the bundle for sure. Okay. So if I'm an independent person, I'm not working with a financial planner. It sounds like at age 62 or 63, if I want to dip my toes in the water, I could start exploring ship. I could start looking at Google reviews, maybe ask friends or family for recommendations for independent agents in particular. Right. Right. YouTube. Okay. YouTube is a great place too. go cruise YouTube. There's a whole bunch of good things. We have a YouTube channel, really good content. Some of our um, competitors, if you will, which they're not, they're, they all have great YouTube channels too. So you can, you can really learn a lot from YouTube and then you're really prepared when you get to that agent. Hey, I saw this and I heard this and what great conversation. Yep. Yeah. I watched some of your content for YouTube and I, I was like, oh yeah, this is all coming back to me now. I remember it. This is great. So it great yeah. learning opportunity there. Yeah, it is no doubt. Um, so maybe three months before 65, they come back to you. They're actually enrolling in a product at that point. In most, most situations I'll say, are there some exceptions where people might not want to enroll in Medicare at age 65? Definitely. So the people that maybe are enrolling or people, maybe you, uh, you, you buy your own coverage through the ACA or the marketplace, you know, Obamacare, whatever you call it, all the same thing. Um, those people are going to be definite. So yes. However, we're going to have phone calls too. We're like, Hey, I'm turning 65 in September. You know, what do I do? And the questions start on our end. Well, are you working? And they say, yes, I am working. Well, then we start diving into that part of it. Well, where do you work? What do you do? Um, how many employees are at that location? Right? So if you have a large employer, um, over 20 employees is what that means. If you have, a, if you're working for a large employer, you intend to stay there for a year, two years, five years, whatever it is, you're not ready to retire. That's great. Let's say you have really good insurance at work, right? Your employer is very generous. They subsidize a good chunk of that premium. If you're not paying very much, don't go to Medicare. So that would be our advice. Now we do talk too about health savings accounts. If you're contributing to an HSA, here's what you should do and shouldn't do things like that. So that kind of gets entwined to the employer conversation, but most typically, you know, and I'd say it's really 50, 50, because lots of people are not retiring at 65. They are certainly going beyond, or 
they're even going beyond and then they're getting, they're, they're starting a business. Even we're seeing lots of, it's, it's interesting watching the 68 to 70 year olds, what they're doing after, you know, or maybe they're just doing part-time or, you know, we have actually someone who's 82 for the first time retiring right now. And he's been a tenured, you know, professor, I think at three universities, he's got 65 wow. years. I mean, that crazy. He's got three pensions. Who has that? No, you know, people don't have one pension. This guy has three. It's amazing to watch that. But at 82, he's coming to Medicare for the very first time, which is super cool. So not everybody has to get Medicare at 65, obviously. I love that story. Okay. Yeah. And so it, it sounds like if you're around 65, you're not necessarily retiring, maybe still talk to an independent agent so you can compare costs and figure out what's what's best for your individual Absolutely. circumstance. Absolutely. Yeah. Medicare is not cookie cutter by any means. So don't look at the TV and just think, oh, that's what I have to do and go get that because that's not what you should be doing for sure. And that's a good transition point. I feel like Joanne from, we covered part A, we talked about part B, maybe we can start talking about the other parts of Medicare that get a little bit more complex, a little stickier, whatever they, language you want to use. Man, more, more sticky is, is absolutely right. So, so then after that part, and that's where everyone thinks we work with the government because we don't, we help you get the A and B set up. That's the government. Okay. There, yes, we want to guide you through what to do and how to do it. But when we get to the end of that, then it's like, well, you have to pick something else or you should pick something else. You don't technically have to, but you're kind of, it's, it's foolish not to get another product. So you have two paths and we try and get people educated as to the two paths that they can go down. One path is you remain with original Medicare, meaning that you keep your A and B intact and you add what we call Medigap or a Medicare supplement. It's the same thing, just different words. You add a Medicare supplement into your world and then you add a drug plan to your world. If you have that path of Medicare, it's it's popular. It's very, very solid coverage. People like the perks of that side of Medicare are you can pick your own doctors. You can go anywhere in the country that takes Medicare. People really love the open access to anywhere they want to go. They like the control and the freedom. They like they don't need referrals. They don't need prior authorization. They don't really need anything. It's very simple. And it really just means that Medicare is going to remain your primary insurance company as you go forward. So it's a very good, solid setup. It costs more on a monthly basis. There's a premium attached to that policy that you're buying. So that's where the hang up for people is, well, do I want to spend $125 a month on that? Or do on the flip side of all of this, the other sticky part is you have something. The other option is called Medicare Advantage. All of a sudden you open the can of worms of Medicare Advantage. Medicare Advantage is what you see on TV for the most part. So you're seeing advertisements and postcards for that. These are the plans that are zero premium. So on the surface, they're free and everybody gets attracted to free. So you just got to be careful with the wording of things. And so there's some other perks to Medicare Advantage plans. Yes, lots of them can be zero premium, which I don't like to say free because they're not, because you will have co-pays, you will have co-insurance you're going to have restrictions because now you're introducing, you're buying this or you're enrolling in a plan um, provided to you from an insurance company. So now the insurance company is going to become involved. So you just want to really understand how they differ and what you want and what you're looking for. There's nothing inherently bad necessarily with Medicare Advantage. It's just that they're very different that you are now giving control essentially to the insurance company for your care. They are managed care situations. Yes, you're going to get some free services. Yes, you're going to maybe get some free dental and things like that, but you want to make sure you're okay with that. If you have a significant health event, are you okay with the insurance company telling you that you need prior authorization? Are you okay with them saying you can't go to MD Anderson? Are you okay with that? 
So what I always like to say to people, and I, I use this in webinars and it's kind of, it's funny, but it's not funny. Every single person out there really wants a Medigap plan because it's really solid coverage. They just want it to be free, just like Medicare Advantage. And they want it to include some dental like Medicare Advantage can. So we always come along with, it's just not possible. So I'm sorry to rain on your parade, but you cannot have that. So you have to pick one or the other. And then just trying to set the stage really for your health changes. What are, you know, you're going to be 80. Are you going to be in skilled nursing? What if you have a heart attack or you have a stroke? It's kind of like musical chairs, right? So you have two choices, which chair do you want to be sitting in when or if a health event occurs? That's it. And then they make the best decision they can for themselves today. It could be based on budget. It could be based on their feelings about a plan. It could be based on experience or uh, uh, somebody else's experience, but they have to decide which one they want. And then we put them in whichever one they want. That's how simple it becomes. But it's a lot of educating, a lot of getting them there because it's, it's confusing and it's, it's a big decision. The people too that take Medicare Advantage out the gate, they need to understand that they can't necessarily change. And that is really kind of the gotcha moment to Medicare. So if there's one thing to get across, it's just that I understand people that are healthy at 65. And if you take Medicare Advantage, the, however, if something changes in three years and you get a cancer diagnosis, you cannot come back and get Medigap coverage. So there's some special timing issues that that's why we're so careful with making people understand because you can't necessarily just call Everybody thinks you can just call in the fall and just when the TV lights up for him open enrollment, supposedly, they just think you can call and do whatever you want. So we are the bearer of bad news in the fall saying, well, I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that, regardless of what your agent told you or what you heard on TV or what your friend told you, it doesn't, doesn't work. So you can't have that product, unfortunately. And my understanding is the Medigap, you sort of have this first time window when you enroll and then you can enroll with that without necessarily a health questionnaire, but you can't later on. So in your example, if you did the Medicare Advantage first and then say you're 70 later and you want to enroll in Medigap again, or go, go to it, I shouldn't say again, but you want to enroll in Medigap instead, you'd have to go through some sort of health questionnaire and underwriting process that may exclude you from getting that coverage. Is that right? Exactly. It's exactly what happens. So a 70-year-old does come and say, well, now you know what, things are breaking down. I just had this. And even if it's not really big chronic things or really big issues, it still could exclude you from getting a Medigap policy. Now you may not, you might be very healthy and just have maybe some high blood pressure and high cholesterol. That's okay. But yes, in the beginning, when you're starting Medicare, when your part B is starting, and this is important is your, your part B becomes activated and you're over 65 years old. You could be 65, you could be 82, like our 82 year old. He's just starting his part B. So he gets six months, a window to go get any Medigap contract he wants without any agent asking a health question. That's fantastic, especially for people that have something, some health event, which is common. We have lots of people that come in with, you know, even at 65, they have Parkinson's, there is lupus, there is a lot of significant illness out there, chronic illnesses, things like that. So it's important. It's really important to understand that that right exists because you can't get the do-over necessarily. There are some situations with trial rights and different things that gets a little technical and complicated, but the timing, you have to be impeccable if you really want to get it right. So the people that feel like they can sort of game the system to take a free plan and then swap back and forth, it just, it's not going to work. It really isn't going to work. So yeah, be very careful of that and cognizant of that. And that's why it's important to know that two products exist. You know, you don't back to picking an agent kind of thing. Make sure the agent's telling you about two products because there's a lot of people out there are only presented Medicare Advantage, right? And then 
they find out when they're sick in three years that they have, they could have had Medigap and they're not very happy, but there's nothing you can do about it. So it is a really, really big decision. It is very important. Yeah, that's huge. So if you want Medigap, make sure you're getting that at the beginning or at least understand what options are available. Absolutely. Absolutely. What type of costs are we looking at for Medigap? And I know when I ask that question, it varies by state and maybe some other factors, yeah. but what is a typical policy cost? And maybe you can explain the differences across states too, and sort of the range that people might expect. Yeah. So it's a really good question. So they, they do range. I would say like the kind of the average is about $125 for a 65 year old male, female, males are higher. Um, but that's kind of on average, but you can have, um, I think I just did West Virginia the other day, it's only $95. So that's much cheaper. However, Florida is $185. Um, so Florida is more expensive. It's rated based on zip codes. So it's just a zip code and an age factor. If you're 70 years old and in a Florida zip code, you're going to be paying quite a bit. There's a couple states too that are actually called guarantee issue states like New York and Connecticut. These are states that essentially will give anybody Medigap regardless of their health, but the, the plans are $350 and $400 a month. And that's why, because everybody is ill and it doesn't matter and they're all sloshing around in a big pod. That's okay, but you're going to pay a lot more for that. So in those kind of states, you really got to talk with a local broker, which we're not in New York or Connecticut, but maybe Medicare Advantage makes way more sense, right? So maybe you have to figure that out, but that's no, those are the states we don't work in. We don't, and there's not many of those, but even California is pretty reasonable, 125. I would say, you know, 100 to 125 is a pretty good national average for the most part. And that's for a plan G as in girl. So just describing the plans, because there's an older plan F and C, and that's where you get into that whole alphabet soup. But plan G is the one I'm talking about. And then there's plan N, which is a good option too. And it's, you know, $20, $25 a month less. Then there's a national average too, because everybody needs a Part D plan. So you need to add on the cost of the drug plan. So the national average is $33. Um, I think it's a little on the high side, just because yes, there's some $100 plans, but most people are in a 10 to $20 a month kind of plan. So you're tacking that on plus your co-pays for your drugs. Okay. That's really helpful. So maybe 125, 150 bucks a month, plus maybe another 30 to 35 for part D for that option. Right. Yep. Okay. And let's talk about part D maybe in a little more detail. Um, just cause I know prescription drug coverage is a really important thing as you age and maybe at 65, it's not an important thing. And maybe it's not on most people's mind, but I know being a, a Medicare broker independent agent, you probably see a lot of different drugs and different costs and what's covered and what's not covered. What are the things to be aware of? Yeah. First, it's a horrible hair, a horrible area of Medicare. It really is. It's, it's just, it's tough because the pharmaceutical companies, they can do whatever they want. Medicare is not allowed to negotiate with pharmaceutical companies. It's the dumbest, dumbest rule. In my opinion, uh, it hurts a lot of people. It really does. Um, it's very expensive. We get every day it's phone, you know, or messages. Jardians. I had this one yesterday. Jardians is like 500 a month. Um, Eliquis is simply 500 a month. Those are common drugs that people are taking and People have been used to group insurance where maybe their copay was $30 a month and now they get to Medicare. It's like, oh my gosh, it's, it's much more expensive and it really can be. So you've got two types of people. You've got people that are coming to Medicare at 65 and they're healthy. They take no meds. They don't think they need a drug plan. Well, that is absolutely mythical. They absolutely need a drug plan because if you don't get one, you're getting penalized. And then if you don't have one in place too, what if you do get put on Eliquis mid-year? You cannot just go buy a drug plan whenever you decide you need it or want it. 
Eloquist, I will tell you, retails for $500 a month if you don't have a drug plan. So that will hammer you for the year and you have no drug coverage. So, you know, it's those simple things, but you know, your, your tier one little cheapy meds are, are not going to cause you issues. But I will tell you, there's, you know, cancer medications, oral ones that are outrageously expensive, you know, 10 grand a year. We've, we see those and not to scare people. They're not super, super common either, but it's real, you know, in $10,000, that means they have, they do have a drug plan because most people respond with, well, have them get a drug plan. It's like, no, they have a drug plan. Their, their cost, <laughs> their copay is 10 grand. So that really can affect your finances. If it's a drug that you need to take to live. I've got one person, she's been on one medication for seven years. It keeps her alive and it's $12,000 a year. She does not qualify for assistance. It's ridiculous. They, they don't make a fortune either. They make 80 or 90,000 a year. This is not like they make 5 million a year, but you take your $12,000 drug out of your 70 or 80, it, it's very tight. So, uh, and that's not even just her other costs, right? Her Medigap, her, her Medicare, all that stuff. So it's just, unfortunately, it's so, it, it's just a bummer because we can't offer, you can't offer much and we can't fix those. We can't, we do what we can. We try and teach people about good RX and about the foundations. And um, I was even visiting Cameron who runs our YouTube channel in, um, in San Diego. And I'm, I'm, I forgot my passport when I was out there, but we want to go down to Tijuana and go to the pharmacies down there just to snoop around at the pricing and see what you can get because you can just walk in up the street, basically no script and get stuff. Like it's great. If that's the way you can get your stuff, go for it. So we try and, and we're close to the border in Canada. So now that it's opened back up and we want to go over there and check out insulin because insulin's cheaper in Canada. So unfortunately it's just my, my philosophy or my, my thoughts about prescription is, is that there's no reason in this country. It just should be this much. It really isn't, but we can only work within the confines of our rules and things like that. But everybody needs a Part D. They also need to know how to manage their own Part D plans. They need to know how to look up the medications, how to change plans potentially. Because this year, just because your plan works well this year does not mean it's going to work well in 2023. So that's really important. So we are running a new Part D class. Actually, every month we'll have one or two classes live on Zoom where people can come in and we can run drug plans and we want to teach them how to use that interactive tool so that they become good consumers too, because we can't do thousands and thousands of drug plans every fall when you need to be checking that. So we'll teach them the timing, you know, what to look for in September. How do you know your plan's changing? What, what data do you have to look to? So, so there's a lot to it. It's, it's not to be overwhelming because it will take you 20 minutes. It's not going to take you three days. Right. So we want people to approach it as just, you know, it's kind of like fall cleanup, right? Just do just do 20 minutes of fall cleanup on your Medicare stuff. Um, and and it's it's just again, you got to pay attention to that because it can be really, really pricey. Yeah. I want to pause there just to reiterate what you said there, because that's something I tell clients frequently is to shop for that drug plan again in the fall and just to make sure that whatever was covered last year is going to be covered this year. Because in your example, let's say you are taking one of those expensive medications that are $500 a month. Maybe that was covered last year, but this year it's not going to be covered anymore, even though you have the same plan. Right. Right. And the time you're going to find out is in February when you walk in for a refill and guess what? You cannot change a plan in February. So you have absolutely October 15th to December 7th to figure that out. So it's, it's, it's a long enough window where it should be done, but you need to pay attention to doing that. So all that data, like you just mentioned, that the, is it on my formulary next year? That data comes to them in September. So there's plenty of time to look at that. If you take five medications, there's no reason you can't look it up or go on the computer and figure out if it's, if you can't do it, get your kid involved, right? Or get a neighbor or somebody or somebody that knows Medicare. People are happy to help their friends do these things. But you do need to do that because when you find out in February that it's not covered, you, you're, the entire next year, you are shot. 
Completely. So you're absolutely right. That could be the best and most cost reducing 20 minutes of yes. your year. Absolutely. <laughs> Easily. We've seen some that save $6,000 in a year. That's crazy. For 20 wow. minutes of work, it's totally worth six grand. Absolutely. Okay, good. Um, so part D, even if you're, you know, you're enrolling at the first part, or let's say you don't want to, there's a penalty involved, right? If there you is. don't enroll. Okay. There is. So if you do not enroll when you're first able to, and you should, then it's a 1% penalty and it accrues. So every month that goes on, it's about 35 cents, which doesn't sound like much until you're, I was talking to one of our agents this morning. The woman is 76 years old and has never had a drug plant. So we're talking 11 years of penalty there. She's going to get whacked with a pretty good size, probably $40 is my guess of a penalty. That will be every month for the rest of her life forever. You don't, it's not like a parking fee where you pay it one time and you go on, you pay it every month for the rest of your life. Now she still doesn't take medication. So the hard part is, do you tell her to go get a drug plan now? It's like, it's hard to say, what if she gets put on something crazy in March? We, you know, that's, it's just a tough, it's a very tough thing to navigate. So absolutely. There are some part D carriers that are under $10. So go get a $10 under $10 plan just to ensure yourself against having to be put on a drug plan at all. Yeah. 120 bucks a year, just to sort of peace of mind. So you're not hitting, getting hit with a $40 penalty later in life or higher. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, good. So we've got part D we talked, I think through most of the parts here, why don't we talk about sort of income planning and what that can do? Uh, You know, we talked about Irma earlier. Let's dive into that a little bit detail because I know that's something that catches people off guard, particularly if they're not retiring until sort of later and they have higher incomes, they may they may get hit with that Irma and be surprised by that. They are. They're routinely surprised. So we see people that have $800,000 modified adjusted gross income. They come to us for Medicare. Maybe they're selling their business. Maybe they're going to finally retire and they're 68. And it's a common conversation. So they're coming in and like, well, you know, high income and okay, do you know how much your Medicare is going to cost? And they all say, no, I have no idea. So it's just funny that, and we tell them, it's like, well, in your case, it's $578. And they think that's for a couple. That's for both of us, right? No, that's per person per month. And that's just the base cost to meant to the government. That's not the Medigap. That's not the drug plan. That's you're talking some hefty. It's, you know, between eight and $900 a month per person in the highest category. So, you know, the other people will argue, well, they have 750,000 or more. That's the highest category. And that's a lot of money, which it is. No doubt. But the, the point is that it's sticker shock regardless, you know, they just aren't aware of that. So yeah. if that hits you, that is something, maybe you can do something about that. Like in this case that let's say the person is retiring and selling a business. Well, then that's okay. Then because then maybe they're not going to earn 800,000 going forward, they're going to live off of $160,000 going forward. If that's the case, we can help them. There's a form called an SS44 and it's a super important form for people to have that what they do is they basically say, hey, I had a life event that is affecting my income, such as retirement, such as work reduction. Maybe I'm going part-time and I'm a doctor, you know, a divorce, um, a death. You know, those are the things that are life events that you can actually go back, submit the form to social security saying, hey, I, I was making 800, now I'm going to 160 and please reduce my, my IRMA charge or get rid of that IRMA surcharge. And it works. So you have to, unfortunately, or fortunately have a valid reason to do so. If you win the lottery 
it's not going to count, right? You're going to have to pay <laughs> higher premiums. But if you have an inheritance, you know, people that happens to, then they're hit with a higher surcharge for a couple of years. It's always a rolling two-year look back. So don't feel like when you're starting Medicare, I had this question yesterday. If I'm starting Medicare and I'm making 800,000 a year and they assess me $578, do I have to pay that for the rest of my life? The answer is no. If your income is going to float down, then naturally it is always going to roll back the two years for the look back. So don't feel like you're trapped in that highest level forever, unless- unless you're in that highest level forever. We have some clients that are just making 3 million a year for the rest of their life, which is phenomenal, but they're going to pay the highest rate. So that's where the planning like with you comes into place because if you're doing a Roth conversions, a lot of people are doing those these days, which are great, but if you're doing that at 63, make sure you're understanding that this is gonna affect you at 65 that's not an appealable event. That's not something you can go back and say, well, hey, I took out this extra money for tax purposes, but Medicare doesn't care. They want their premium. Okay. So maybe do the Roth conversion when you're 62 and get ahead of that, or you do it, you know, you sprinkle them through or you reduce them or whatever you do for planning wise. I remember somebody years ago that he took an annuity as a, a buyout for, for um, I think a severance or something. And he was, un, he was ha- un, unhappy that he chose that. He said, had I known the effect on my Irma stuff, I wouldn't have picked that option. So maybe you take lump sum that year. You know what I mean? So there's just different ways, you know, structuring a business is another big one, right? If you're selling a business, are you doing it in one year and boom, you get all the money? Are you doing it in five years? Well, maybe you do want one year, boom, you know? So you do want to, and that's not our zone at all. We're just here to tell you that, hey, when you come this, this is what we're going to do. And it's 578 or we can help you. But Again, it's always pushing that back to the financial planner role of, hey, let's put this on the table at 62, 63 and look at those charts. You know, you have the charts. It's just, it's a great conversation. Like, hey, when you get here, you know, this is going to happen. So let's not be psycho about it, but let's pull back. And what do we need to do to kind of put you in the better bracket? So it's manageable for sure. Yeah. But it's just amazing. Nobody knows it exists. So it's just so funny. Has anyone explained to you how much your Medicare is? Nope. That's it. That's all our answer is. It's just crazy. Catches a bunch of people off guard. And, and we're exactly. just for clarification, when we're talking about this, we're talking about the part B, correct, Joanne? So that $170 roughly, that could, there's different brackets that that could go up to different amounts. Right. So 170 is the base in the brackets. There's six levels. And the highest is that one, that 578 that I talked about. The lowest is 170. And it's all in between. And the big thing to just note is that it's per person per month. Okay. That trips people up. The other thing that trips people up in that area is that you might have somebody, one of the, uh, one of the spouses didn't work forever. Maybe they never, ever worked. They're still entitled to Medicare. They're going to get Medicare, but they get mad that the spouse earned all the money and that it affects them because they have to pay the same amount. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> that's how it works. It's joint income. So unless you're filing separately, which doesn't happen very much either, but it's just so funny. Like, well, I stayed home. I shouldn't have to pay what he does. He made the money. Well, it doesn't matter. Medicare wants their premium from both of you. So it's just so funny. You can't skirt around these things. You really can't. So we hear everything. They try everything. That's good. Okay. And so that's part B and then part D as well. There's also a little bit of a surcharge as well. Correct. There is. There is. That one irritates people more than anything else, just because it's actually, it is. And I, I get it. Cause you have to buy your own part D plan also. So you have to spend 15, $20 on a plan then you get tacked on with 50 or 40 or whatever it's going to be another charge, like seriously. And it goes up to $78. So, you know, for a high income person that is paying, taking no medications, right. And they have to pay another $95 a month for absolutely nothing. It, I get it. It's frustrating. It just, that is the way it goes. The only way you avoid that penalty or the Irma surcharge on the drug plan is don't buy a drug plan, but then you're into the other risks we just went through. So is it, 
It's just, it's just quite the system. That's why it's confusing. <laughs> Definitely confusing. There's a lot of rules to be aware of here. And right. then you start layering things like tax planning and trying to control your income right. with Roth conversions or capital gains. And, you know, it's, it's opened this whole new can of worms, which yes. is fun for me because there's lots of planning opportunities, but it's something that if you're doing this on your own to be aware of and to do the planning. So you don't, you know, in two years, you don't get hit with the surprise of, Hey, I'm paying a few hundred bucks more per month. And I didn't know that was going to happen. Right. And just like with all those areas you talk about tax planning, this, um, again, the answer of, well, I didn't know it just doesn't fly with the IRS or the guy. It's just, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you, you have to find a way to know. So you work with people like you and with us to, to know that's exactly why they're, they're, you know, rendering the services or, you know, so it's just funny. I don't know. It doesn't fly. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I know we've talked about sort of common mistakes as we've gone along here, but are there other areas where you see people commonly mess up that ends up being costly or just sort of an emotional toll? Yeah, I would say a couple spots. Like, like if you're working for a small employer with under 20 employees, that's a spot that people commonly miss. Those people, 99.99% of the time, have to go get Medicare. And the reason for that is in the, it's in the rules of Medicare, the government, in the eyes of the, the system, an under 20 employee workspace, the people have to get Medicare because Medicare is primary insurance at that point. A lot of people don't know it. Uh, the group benefit person, those are small groups. Honestly, nobody really cares about small groups. So they kind of slip through the cracks. They should be coming back to and saying, hey, you're turning 65, you're in a small group, you need to go get Medicare. But it just commonly gets missed. If it gets missed, and if someone just, because they're working, that's what makes it hard too. They think they're working. You know, they read that you can just, if you're still working, you don't have to get Medicare. That's true. But if it's under 20 and you're working, you still, you do have to get Medicare. And if they miss it, what happens is, and we've seen it a few times where they can have a big claim, like someone had a surgery last year that we heard about. This wasn't our client, luckily, but you know, um, she was advised to go get Medicare and, and she didn't. And she, um, had a surgery during the time she didn't have Medicare. It was a group size of about 15 people, significant back surgery, two surgeons, nine hour surgery kind of thing. She got a bill for 80 grand. And the reason is the insurance company can come back and say, well, we're going to bill you 80 grand because you should have had the blue, you know, you should have had Medicare in place. We would have had Medicare pay 80 grand, but they didn't because you didn't have it enrolled. And it was totally her fault. And she's still fighting to this day with them. And there's not much you can fight about. It's maybe negotiating the bill down, but that happens. So that happens quite frequently. The other thing I'll say that happens pretty frequently is HSAs. So with an HSA, and I talked to somebody yesterday, which is a great example. He is a small um, employee, uh, owner of a small um, a prosthetic firm in uh, Texas, under 20. So he knows now he has to go get Medicare. So he's signing up for that. So that part's fine. He's handling that. And I said, you can, and at that point too, you can stay on the group plan if you want. You don't have to do Medicare, but I'm like, go, just go take care of Medicare. We'll talk about a supplement next month. We'll get that. But then he said, you know, about HSA, he said, I'm putting money in my HSA. So that has to stop funding. And he said, well, I already put $4,650 in it. Oops. He's turning next month. This is birthday in, in May. So I said, well, that was a mistake. He can fix it. But what happens is people always think for some reason, now the reason it's 4,650 is he maxed out his individual plan. That's the most you can put in as an individual. And anyway, he told me that he put it in. His thought process was, I could just sneak it in before I turn 65. Lots of people think they can do that. They're just like, well, I already put it in in January. It's like, no, it's not how it works. How it works is he has 12 months of 2022 and he's eligible for only the latter, the first four months of that of the year. So that means he has to take the $4,650 divided by 12. 
and then take four months of that prorated contribution. That's how much you can put in. It turned out to be about $1,500. He can put that $1,500 in. He cannot put $4,650 in. So now he has to go and go to the HSA folks, get an excess contribution form, try and unwind it, blah, blah, blah. So he's got some homework to do. And, you know, again, all that frustration could be alleviated when you call someone three or four months ahead of time, right? If we had talked to him last November, him saying like, look, I'm next spring. What do I do? What do I don't do? That's the stuff you really get around. But lots of people do that. So do not think you can sneak it in. Uh, you can't. And then some people think too, this question comes up a lot is like, well, my employer puts the money in my HSA. They can still do that. No, they can't. If you're enrolled in Medicare, nobody can put money into the HSA. So it's just funny what people hear or they thought they heard kind of thing. So, so HSA is an under 20 and then Cobra, I should throw Cobra in there too. Cobra is another place. that's a nightmare. So Cobra is much like the under 20 space where Cobra is considered secondary to Medicare. If you don't have your Medicare fired up and enrolled into, then you can have a gap in your coverage. And that happens really frequently too. That happens a lot because the people at HR just say, well, take your Cobra. You're just going off into the sunset. It's just like the employer insurance you had. It is, but it's not because they're eligible for Medicare. So they have to have their Medicare set up too. And again, if you want to keep Cobra, you can do that. Maybe it's free. Maybe because, you know, maybe it's free for six months. Maybe it's costing a thousand dollars a month. Then you want to just compare that to a supplement because Cobra at that point just acts as a supplement. So that gets pretty technical too. But um, yeah, those big, big three areas are, are pretty common, common mistakes. Yeah. So, those are, those are areas that I could see a lot of mistakes getting made. So I appreciate you sharing those. It's, it's easy to do when you have a topic this complex with this many sure. different rules. Sure. And all those people, different people telling you stuff, right? If HR says oh, you're yeah. good, you want to believe that you're good, right? And you should feel, you know, confident, but horrible. It's horrible. Calling social security, you know how it is. If they call social security for advice, you know, they get bad advice, even on social security, not just Medicare. So it's, um, it's very difficult. It's really difficult. It is. Um, I want to wrap up here shortly. And there's one question I like to end on that I ask every podcast guest, but before we go there, is there anything else that people should be aware of with Medicare, anything you want to promote it's open opportunity time here? Well, I would say really learn on YouTube. That's one, like, seriously, my favorite, go to YouTube, go to ours, go to others. Like I said, listen to our podcast. We do, um, we're the only ones doing podcasting, which is kind of fun. It's like a 30 minute session twice a month on significant, like important topics, not bunch of foo-foo because we could throw a bunch of stuff out. We really try and just give you good information. You don't even have to use us. We, it's fine. There's there's a 4.2 million people turning 65 this year. We can't even handle 1% of those people. <laughs> so we've got industry friends that we're happy to refer to if we can't work with your state. But it's just, just you know, stop the, the bad decisions. A, a friend actually just forwarded an article today that was in the New York Times yesterday about Medicare Advantage plans. And she said, unfortunately, this is the, the person referenced in the story is my good friend's father. So it, it really hit close to home how bad some of these decisions can be. And again, the time you can, you can't fix some of these things. So don't call us when you're 80 and there's a problem because we can't fix you. We get all sorts of calls like that. So it really is just imperative. And I appreciate you're putting it in, even into your practice and offering a podcast like this, because it's a very big component, as you know, and it just opens up so many opportunities to talk about other things. It's just, as you're talking to them, you, you're learning about health and 
I do think your clients like to talk about their health. Sometimes they don't know that they can do that maybe with you as an advisor, but I encourage all advisors, absolutely open that can of worms because people, the family appreciates it too. So, so it's really good. So just, you know, pay attention. If you want check our, our site, we've always got stuff coming out. We do have the live classes, which are kind of cool on the part D. So that is really helpful. Those can be universal across the country because part D is part D so they can learn. I just like people learning what to do. So just be a smart consumer with any of this stuff. So thanks for having me on. This is great. I love it. Well said. Um, so I want to wrap up with the question that I ask every podcast guest, and that is what is one act of kindness that has been transformational in your life? Oh my goodness. Act of kindness is, is kind of broad. I guess I think of it as um, the first thing that pops into my head is positivity. And it's, it's kind of, I guess I can tell it's, it's still kindness because it's, but it's my mother. And I just did a TikTok the other day about this. And it's just so funny. So I grew up in a very, very positive environment as a kid where I was saying, you you know, you had zits on your face and you looked awful and you're 12 and you just, you know, everything's awful. And she just like, oh, you look beautiful. Have a fabulous day. And like, oh my gosh. But she is still my number one cheerleader. She reviews my TikTok videos. She tells me I didn't oh. explain something properly. I should have done, gone into this, but you did great. And it's just really funny. And I, I think just the, I thought of it the other day as she was critiquing and I just laughed that that, that positivity and, and kindness, if you will, just, it, it launched me into thinking I can do anything. So that's why we're growing and doing what we're doing. It's like, I, I have just, I can do anything because I think I was brought up that way. So I would say that's massive amounts of kindness. And I try and instill that to my kids and grandkids. And it's, yeah, it's kind of cool. How wonderful. What, what a great, just the positivity you grew up with. Your mom sounds like an amazing human being. Oh, for sure. It was super fun. Super fun. And I appreciate it now as an adult, you don't know as a child, right? You're going through that, but it is, it is uh, quite a special feature. So I look at that as sincere kindness. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing Joanne and thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for everything. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Take care. You too. Elliot Apple is an investment advisor representative of Kindness Financial Planning, LLC. However, in hosting this podcast, Elliot is not acting as an investment advisor representative individually or on behalf of Kindness Financial Planning. The information and opinions in this podcast are for general, informational, and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of publication, and such opinions are subject to change. No representation is made as to the completeness or accuracy of the information presented. Any past performance referenced is historical and no guarantee of future results. All indices referenced are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. All investments involve a certain level of risk. You should carefully consider if an investment is suitable for you before making an investment. Please consult your legal, financial, and other professionals to determine what may be appropriate for you.